It is good to be with you this morning. Um, I'm Pastor Josh. If this is your uh, first time with us and you're just uh, with us for today. And so I'm glad you're here. Uh, if you are here, um, or if it isn't even your first time, we're, we're starting a new serve, a series uh, this morning called You Asked For It. During Easter, uh, what we do uh, and have done is we take a, basically a survey because that's when the most people come is during Easter. And so it gives me an idea of kind of what you guys are asking, what you think needs to be addressed, uh, kind of helps me try to figure out where we're at even as a church. And uh, so uh, this week, we're, we're beginning the service, we're going to take a little break on Labor Day weekend, um, and then we're going to kind of jump back into it. And it's just been really interesting to, to see the, the, like the top topics that people have kind of leaned into or asked me uh, to address or teach on or to think about. And we've kind of addressed two of the, two of the top um, over the past month and even the past couple of weeks. One of them was forgiveness, and you could hear us even kind of leaning into that uh, this morning. Um, another one was prayer, and we just came out of 21 days of prayer and fasting and had a whole prayer service, and we, we were participating in prayer in different ways. Um, it's The top two uh, were anxiety and stress, and so after this weekend, um, we're going to kind of jump into that, and that's actually going to kind of be a four-part uh, series, and I, I'm hoping to kind of address that in maybe different ways than, than you've heard. Um, and then today, which is basically kind of number five on the list, was how do I share my faith? How do I share my faith? And in all of these messages, um, I don't want you to come thinking, like, Josh is going to give me all of these incredible answers uh, to these questions that, that we have or these things that we're, we're struggling with. I want, you, I want you to think about all of this kind of in a, in a different way. I want you to think about it in terms of, like, practice. Um, I like to go to the gym, and so every once in a while, I'll try to learn new workouts or, or whatever, and so I'll, I'll, I don't know, watch somebody who knows what they're doing, and, and uh, like, okay, what does that do, or, or whatever, but um, the truth is, if I read about a new workout or watch something different or whatever, if I don't go to the gym, it really doesn't matter. I, I could know how, how to do it, but unless I participate in it or do it, it doesn't, it doesn't change me at all. Um, and to be honest, that's true of your faith. And that's what, what Jesus and his contemporaries actually believed. You know, we, we started kind of to change the way that we, we did things uh, in church and society because we kind of became Greeks and, instead of Jews. Not, most of you probably weren't Jews. Most of you are Greeks uh, that were converted to Christianity. But, but Jesus, the, the people that Jesus was teaching and preaching to primarily, they wouldn't have said they really knew something until they did it or practiced it on a, a regular basis. And so when you think about uh, going through any of this, what I'm inviting you into is, is not just uh, knowledge, but participation. And so um, as we uh, jump into this, um, I, I just want you to think about it in those terms. And so here's the question that I'm trying to answer this morning, is how do I share, share my faith? And I want to start with the why. I want to start with the why. Uh, first and foremost, we share our faith because Jesus told us to. And maybe that's why you're asking to do this. Like, you, you know Jesus told us to. And I, I share this quite a bit with you all because it's, it's part of our mission is to make disciples. And if you look at the passage that Jesus, the passage is that Jesus tells us that we're supposed to go and share the good news of Jesus, is he's, he's telling us to, to go. Like, there's this command to go. And so here's some of the clear instructions that Jesus gives us. This is even a launching point for some of our mission. As a church, Jesus came. This is after the resurrection. Jesus shows up 
And he tells his followers this. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so what is clear here is that Jesus clearly commands us to go and make disciples. Now, the primary verb, the primary thing that we're supposed to be doing is to make disciples. But there's an assumption that while we're doing like the the secondary verb or complementary verb here um, is that we are going to be going. And so there's this action involved with making disciples so that we are stepping out of the church, of of ourselves, and that we are actively trying to reach other people. And it can't be made any more clear than this when we're told to go to all the nations all ethnicities, all people. And so you can't just have faith to yourself. You must be sharing it with other people. And so there's, a, there's another why behind that. What's, what's probably the deeper why? Why is Jesus telling us to go do this? Well, one of the very clear reasons here is that Jesus has risen from the dead. I, I mean, he, he's come out of the grave in the most important moment in human history has just taken place. And what Jesus is offering to people is he's offering them eternal life. He's offering people to be set free from hopelessness, from sin, from shame, from guilt. Some of those things that we just talked about as we think about the cross, the thing that got him to the grave that he rose from. Trying to free people from their anxieties, from their stress, like so it doesn't control them. He said things about himself like, I am the bread of life. He believes that he is the one who will no longer allow us to just go hungry spiritually. And if there's one thing that I, I do believe and that I'm seeing right now, and I think that we're just seeing in general as you look around that we are in a spiritually star- starving culture. And what I love seeing and, and what I love seeing our, our worship leader Jason doing this morning is asking people to respond to what God is doing in their lives. And, and that's the reason, too, when I go through this series, I'm not, I'm not, I, I honestly, like, I'm not that smart. I don't have a PhD, like a lot of people in this church do. And, and so the answers that I'm going to give you, like, there's nothing that I can give you that is really going to help you unless you put it into practice, unless you respond to the Spirit of God and allow the Spirit of God to change you and interact with Him. And, and so we're, we're seeing, like, you, you, you all, when you're, you're, you're responding and doing things, you're, you're responding to God, and you're doing something that you need to do. You're, you're, you're doing something that you were created to do, which is respond and be in relationship with your creator. And people are, they're, they're, we, we are spiritually starving right now. We are, we are struggling a little bit as a culture and as a society and as individuals. Now, typically, what preachers do is they pick on the generations under them. All right? I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm not going to do that. I want to pick on my own a little bit, because I'm reading about my own, right? I, I mean, my generation, we, we fell from faith about as fast as any others, and I, I don't know, Gen Z might or may not be happening at the same rate, at, at a faster rate, like whatever. Um, but what the NIH, the NIH recently just came out uh, with, a, with a study, and what they were doing is they basically were, were studying, like, uh, um, the prevalence of binge drinking and basically just remaining high as long as you possibly can. And what they're discovering is that people between 35 and 50 are engaging in binge drinking and basically recreational drugs at the highest rate probably in recorded history. And so that's my generation. 
Right? These, are, these are older millennials, Gen Zers, the people who planted this church. Like, th- that's us. That's our, our, those are our friends. Those are our family members. Those are the people that we're growing up with. And, I mean, they're, they're basically, right, they're, they're kind of retreating from life a little bit. They're trying to, to numb them. When you use alcohol in that way, a rec- recreational drug, in that way, you're, you're, you're retreating. You're numbing yourselves. And instead of celebrating our life, instead of celebrating what God is doing and the goodness and all these things that we can see um, when, when we are having the joy that we can't have, the relationships that we can't have with each other and God, we're retreating. We're retreating, and people are feeling empty. And I think people are looking for something. I think people are looking for something greater than themselves. Jesus says things. Like, I have come so that you might have life and have it to the full. Now, that doesn't mean, like, if you're a Christian in here or if you're following Jesus, that you're not experiencing any brokenness in your life, that your life isn't tough. But one thing that is true if you are growing spiritually, if you're growing in a relationship with Christ, if you're really trusting in him, you're not hopeless. You're not hopeless. You're, you're not empty. You don't have to be empty. You don't have to remain empty. That's good news. That's good news that's meant to be shared. I mean, one of the things that I love getting to share about you, some of you have kind of been keeping up with us, uh, Emily's father um, Emily's father died a couple of weeks ago. Her grandma died immediately after that. My aunt just passed away. Um, she was my mom's youngest sister. So we're like dealing with all of this. But one of the things that I get to share with people is Jesus. Like, I, I get to share what God is doing in our lives. And yeah, man, it's heavy. I, I hate it. I, I honestly, I, I hate it. I don't like it. But, but I can see God in my midst. And I, I know God is with me. And I know God is good. And I know God has the power to raise the dead. Like, what? What is, everybody needs to know that. Everybody needs to know that. And so as a church, this is one of the things, I think I said this at the beginning of the year, that I want us to think in these terms that everybody should be thinking about or praying for at least one person in their life. Like I, I want us to think about our lives in, this, in, in, in terms of like each one reach one. Each one reach one. And so that means that everybody in this church has somebody that they are personally praying for, thinking about, and sharing Christ with. At least one person. You know, go means go. <laughs> uh, the, and so I, I think I, I've talked about it in terms like this. Like our faith is deeply personal. Deeply personal. Like you have a relationship with a person that's Jesus Christ. And that's very personal. But our, our faith is not private. It, it is not something that we keep with to ourselves. And Jesus never meant you to keep your faith to yourself, but to give it to other people and to share it with other people. So, that's the why. Now, you asked how. <laughs> you asked how. And so I'm going to use a, a, an alliteration here from Alpha, and I want to invite you to Alpha. It's a training session. We'll get kind of a quick announcement at the end of the service. Um, but uh, we're going to do a class here starting September 10th, and um, it'll be here at the church. And it's for anybody who's curious about the faith, maybe you want a refresher on the faith, or even want to learn how to share your faith with other people. Alpha is a great way to do that. We invite you to that September 10th. 6 p.m. here. Great opportunity to invite people to. Uh, So I want us to think about it in these terms, in this alliteration, as we think about how to share our faith with other people. And the first is presence. Presence. I'm going to encourage you all to be present with others. Jesus encouraged us to be present with others. Uh, Matthew 5, 
verse 13 through 16. I'm going to move forward through this. I'm not going to read it all, but it says, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And so when we think about God's plan to share himself with other people, what we see is he says that we are it. Uh, to me, sometimes it seems like a really bad plan. Um, but you're it. Like, there's, there's other passages where Paul is reminding people, like, you're the appeal that Christ is making to other people. And, and Robert Coleman, in his book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, he, he's, he's talking about the men that Jesus called, and basically he says, men are the plan. In other words, like, people, but he means it in a more general sense, that people are the plan. You, you are the plan, and God is going to make his appeal to you. And so you are supposed to go out, and you're supposed to be both salt and light. Now, salt for us, we season stuff with salt. Uh, we still preserve a lot of things with salt. We eat a lot of processed food. Not a great thing for you, but we eat it because that's what we got money to eat. Whatever. But you get the point. But in ancient times, right, it's a preservative. And so what Jesus is telling the people, what he's telling the Christians is that your job is basically to preserve the good things that you see in your church, your family, your culture, all of those sorts of things, and prevent bad things from happening. That's part, of the th- that's part of what we do even as a church, is that we preserve the good. But not only do we preserve the good, but we are light. And so we go forward, and we try to make sure that good happens. And so we, in dark places, we take the light. MLK used to say, right, darkness cannot dr- drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can uh, do that. And so when we come in here, even on Sunday mornings, one of the things that we're trying to do, it's not that you don't have it already. It's not that you don't have the Spirit already. It's not that you don't have the work of Christ with you already. But one of the things that we're trying to do as we come in here on Sunday mornings, as we gather together in in your D groups or your Catalyst communities or just get together um, with one another in fellowship, is we are trying to be infused with a little bit of light sometimes. We're, We're having conversations of what it means to be salt so that we can be good in other places and carry Christ in other places. And so when you come into this place, what ultimately what I want you to do is I want you to leave this place, and I want you to go to your workplace. I want you to go to your friends, our communities, and be salt and light, to lead a life of love, of kindness, integrity, authenticity, honesty, I mean, how I think people are, they're starving to see that. People that are gracious towards other people. People that are trustworthy. Jesus says here is that people are going to see our good deeds. And that's, they're, they're going to praise God through that. By the way, we respond to different needs in our community. To hunger, homelessness, poverty, right? The injustices of the world, inequalities. All of these things that we see in humanity. And here's the thing. I, I kind of want you to think about this in just a number of ways. And, and the one is kind of to start where you are. Uh, in the church here, uh, the, the scriptures talk about this. I'm not going to give you all these passages. We've got to keep moving this morning. But there's this assumption that people in the church will do their best to take care of one another. Now, I know we don't do this perfectly as a church, and I'm probably ever, we probably won't. But we're, we're called, in a way, to be a community that cares for one another. So when we see a need, we, we try to meet it. When when, when there's a death in the family, we take the meals or we check in on them. Or when somebody has a baby, you, we're getting them diapers, we're, we're, we're helping them. Or, uh, you know, there's a transition and somebody's like, anything that, that, that you see that's going on, if there's somebody in the church, try to help that person. 
It can be as simple as being a good neighbor, right? We want to love our neighbors. Uh, I mean, how many people, right, we don't even, we don't even know our, our neighbors very well. And, and I'm kind of even convicted of this now. I've probably been worse about this the past two years than I've been in my entire life, um, which is, I don't know, it's just super convicting. But sometimes the nations feel intimidating. We'll just start next door. Invite your neighbor to Alpha. What about the local needs? There are a lot of local needs that we have. I was doing some research this, this week, and 21 to 15 percent of all people living under 18 live in poverty right now in Madison County. So in the county that our church is located in, that, those are a lot of children living in, in poverty. You know, uh, think about fostering a kid or adopt, think, you know, allow, allow God to do these sorts of things in your life and to think about these things. And it's okay for people to see them. And I know for some of us, right, when you hear all of this or when you think about all of this, we can, we can fear, feel overwhelmed. So I'm reminded of the story of all the starfish. that they were, There's like tens of thousands of starfish walked, washed on the sea of uh, the seashore, basically at the beach. And this young boy is walking, and as he's walking, he's taking all the starfish, and he's throwing them back in the ocean. And so he's going up and down, and he's throwing them in the ocean. And this older man walks up to the boy, and he goes, you realize there are, there are thousands of starfish on the shore, like what's different? What difference does he make? And the boy bends down, he picks up another starfish, and he throws it in. And he said, "Well, I bet it made a difference to that one." You know, I don't know if you realize this or not, but Jesus didn't heal everyone. Everyone who came to Jesus, everyone who showed up, not all of them were instantly healed. But Jesus did heal some. And. I think we have to commit ourselves to doing that. There was a, a pastor I once heard say, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Right? I, I don't know, like, we even in the church sometimes we say, well, we're not going to do that for that person, so we can't do it for that person. Yeah, actually, you can do it for that person, right? That's okay. You can't be everything to everyone, but, but you can be someone to someone. Right? And so make it... Make it your responsibility to do that. Our credibility gives, or our, our good works gives us credibility with people, and people need to see it. That's what, they're going to praise God because of that. But you have, to be, you have to be present with them to do that. So who is that going to be? Second is persuasion. You, it's okay to try to persuade people to follow Jesus. Like, that's okay. I'm not saying that you, you, know, you pressure or coerce. Like, that is, it's not even real. Like, when you coerce people to follow Jesus, it's not going to work. That's not how Christianity works. But it is okay to persuade. All the first Christians tried to persuade people to follow Jesus. All of them. Like this, I don't know where, like where we got the idea that it's not a good idea to try to convince people to follow Jesus. Even, and sometimes like we, we, we probably just do it because it's easier. It removes us from the responsibility that we have to share Jesus with other people. I mean, there's this quote that I think we all, a lot of people really love, and I've heard it misused so many times. Um, uh, from St. Francis of Assisi, although we're not even sure it actually came from him. Either way, it's quoted all the time, but preach the gospel when necessary, or preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Like, I like that. It's cool, like, because it's reminding you that you're supposed to be following Jesus, doing what Jesus did, all of those sorts of things. However, people were using words in the first century around Jesus all the time. <laughs> like, that's what they were doing. Um, and that's what they did, and that's what they were called to. They were trying to persuade. And so we see this happening all the time. And I love this passage out of First Peter because it reminds us that we're supposed to do this and be ready to do it as well. 
So 1 Peter 3, he's writing to the church, beginning in chapter, or beginning in verse 15, this is what he says, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone, to everyone who asks you. And he says, give the reason. In other words, like following Jesus, giving reason, following Jesus is not irrational. Like you can have reasons to follow Jesus. And then he goes on to say, however, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you may see your good behavior, there it is again, in Christ and may be ashamed of their slander. In other words, like, hey, like people will only slander you for so long if you're doing good. Now, what I want you to see, though, is how we are to do it. We're supposed to do it with gentleness and respect. Gentleness is the opposite of arrogance. It's the opposite of arrogance. And part of being able to do that is to listen to other people. I actually want to know why other people don't want to follow Christ. I want to know about their experiences, what happened, all of those sorts of things. And people are, can be extremely interesting. And a lot of us, sometimes we just want people to follow Christ because we just want them to like, live how we are living or do what we are doing. And we, we don't really, like, honestly, sometimes we don't really care about them. We just want to correct them. And so one of the things I just want to encourage you to do is always try anymore to connect before you correct. Try to connect before you correct. Because you can win an argument and still lose. Like, I, I, don't, I, I don't really care about winning arguments. I don't care about you winning an argument. I want you to be effective. There's an old story about C.S. Lewis, um, and during World War II, uh, he was uh, basically doing all of these rounds among the military uh, for the, the British, and one of them, he's, he's lecturing in front of a bunch of soldiers, and they're asking him questions about the faith, and C.S. Lewis is a, he's a great writer and philosopher and all these sorts of things, and he's answering all these questions. Well, the general comes up, and he's kind of behind, and he asks a question that C.S. Lewis said, that basically he thought that was really going to stump Lewis. And Lewis basically, with his words, undressed the general in front of his men. And upon reflecting upon that, Lewis said, I made him twice the son of hell as before he showed up. Because of the way that he addressed the general in that situation. So we want to be careful about the way that we try to persuade. Now, a lot of us, we're not C.S. Lewis. Uh, we're not great philosophers. However, that doesn't let us off the hook either in being able to share. Because some of you think, well, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Peter here is writing to ordinary people. And he's telling ordinary people, you need to be able to give an answer for the hope that you have to everyone who asks. And so I want to encourage you, study. Like, if, if somebody comes and asks you a question that you don't know the answer to, first thing you need to know is that it's okay to say, I don't know. But the second thing that you need to know is that the answer probably exists. You may not always like it or understand the answer, but Christianity has been around for a pretty long time. Like, big questions have been around for a really long time. People have been answering these questions for a really long time. And so there are resources out there for you. I got some here on the platform. I'll, I'll move them over here. If you want them, these are, you can even take them. I don't care. Um, but there's objections to the Bible there. There's, and then there's a couple books from Tim Keller there that I really like. But, but they're there. Like, there are answers to your questions. And your job is to help persuade people. And so don't feel like, hey, I can't do this. You can. You can. Um, third is Proclamation. Proclamation. We want to communicate and celebrate the message of Jesus. Communicate and celebrate the message of Jesus. And that's some of what we're doing on Sunday mornings. 
is that we're coming and we're, we're coming here and we're experiencing Jesus. We're experiencing the spirit of God. And what we're doing often on Sunday mornings too is we're inviting people and I encourage you to invite people. It's basically like this, come and see. Hey friends, come and see. Family, come and see. And Jesus' disciples did this. Uh, Jesus was calling people to follow him. Andrew is going to go to his brother Peter, as we'll see here, and he's going to invite Peter to, to say, hey, look, I'm following this guy. You need, to, you need to come and see. You need to come and check this out. John, we see this in uh, John's gospel, chapter 1, verses 41 and 42. It says, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and they brought him to Jesus. William Temple, who's an archbishop of Canterbury, used to be said, the greatest service that one person can render to another is to bring them to Jesus. This is all I knew to do when I first came to faith. It's like, hey, like, come, come to church with me. Come and see what's going on. Come and see what God is doing in my life. I told you I came to faith in middle school. My family wasn't attending church, so I made it my, my mission to get my family to uh, attend church with me. Like, that's, all, that's all I knew to do. It's all to live differently and invite them to church just so that they could see the proclamation. I was telling the people who are about to be baptized here this morning um, is that I've had more and more people over the past year, probably than I ever have, um, come up to me and basically say, like, hey, watching people be get baptized has changed my life. Like, seeing people proclaim that their life belongs to Christ and that they have been raised to life has been changing people's lives. I've had people say in the worship, during worship, that worship has really been impacting me. It's been changing me. Come and see. The fourth is power. It's power. Uh, we have to understand that there is power when you're sharing your faith. And this is probably my favorite uh, part of the message. Um, I'll try to keep it short, but it's pro probably my favorite because it doesn't remove the responsibility that you have to share Jesus with others. But it does kind of remove the pressure valve. First uh, Thessalonians 1.5, Paul's writing the church, and he says this. He says, For when we brought you to the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. And you know of our concern for you by the way we lived when we were with you. One of the things that I've believed about my ministry is I've never converted anyone. I've never converted anyone. I've planted. I've watered. I've used words of persuasion, but nobody has come to faith because of something that I've done. Right? It's the power of God. When I'm telling you to pray, to think about, to reach one person, that one person that God has given you in your mind, God has thought about them before you have. Right? God has been working in their lives before you ever showed up in their lives. God is at work in your conversations in your presence, in your all of that. It, it's God at work, hopefully bringing them to faith. Now, can they resist? Of course. Or will everyone decide to follow Jesus because of you, because of your work? No, not everybody will. But it's God at work bringing people to faith before you ever arrive. And I believe that has been true about my ministry. Not only has it been true about my ministry, but it's true about myself. And I think that's one of the most reassuring things I know about my own faith is that, that slick preacher, when I was in the convention hall, when he called me to faith, it wasn't his persuasion. It wasn't his words. It, it, it wasn't the lights. It wasn't any of that. It was God 
at work calling me to follow him. And that's so reassuring because I know that it's not persuasion, it's not lights, that it's not somebody else that's going to pull me away from God. God called me. And God is, God is calling people that are around you. And he's asking you to come in power to them, to share Christ with them. This last but not least is prayer. Romans 10.1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be shared. Now, Paul was an Israelite. And you can, if you read the book of Romans, you can desperately see that he wants his family members and his friends to come and follow Jesus. It's the longing of his heart. It's his, it's his prayer. There's this d- deep desire. His heart is given to this and to that effort. Like he was, he was willing to die for it. He was literally willing to die for it. And so make it your prayer. Right? Begin, to, begin to pray for the people that you're going to share Christ with. Pray that God would put people before you that you will share Christ and do it. You can make the world a difference in somebody's life. I want to end uh, with this story here. It's a story that's kind of been hitting home at the moment. And uh, it's about a man heard about in World War II, and he's dying in the trenches. And his friends came over and said, is there anything I can do for you? And the guy said, no, I'm dying. There's nothing you can do for me said, well, is there any message I can take to people back home for you? They said, yes. So he gave the man an address of somebody who helped him when he was a child. And he said, this man is helping me now that I'm dying. And so the guy goes back to England, and he gets back to this friend. And when he gets to the man, it turns out it was the, it was the dying man's Sunday school teacher. And so he goes to the man's Sunday school teacher, and he told him what happened and said, my friend wanted you to know that you're the person who he was thinking about that helped him during the moment of his death. And the response of the Sunday school teacher to that man's friends who had died was, God, forgive me. I gave up teaching Sunday school years ago because I thought it was having no effect. Right? You don't know whose lives you're changing when you're sharing Christ with them. And my challenge for you, church, is to share Jesus, right? Not just how, right, but to do it, to do it. Uh, maybe you're here this morning, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite you to follow Jesus. Maybe the Spirit of God, the power of God has been working through this service, through these words. They're not even very persuasive. <laughs> but maybe God's been working in your life. And I'm going to invite you to give your life and to follow him. Jesus is God in the flesh, showed up, died for our sins, he rose again on the third day, and he's coming again to make all things new. You can decide to follow him today. And I invite you to do that. Let me pray, and I'm going to invite uh, the kids in here. Father, we thank you for this morning. I pray um, continually that uh, you will help us as a church uh, to share Jesus with others. We believe that all people need you. We thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives. And uh, we ask that you give us the power to do so, that, um, that as we show up, we remind, be reminded that you are there with us. At this time, we're going to celebrate here in a moment because people have decided to follow you. 
Uh, we thank you for all of those who have shared Christ um, with the people that are going to be baptized this morning. And as a church, we're going to celebrate, we're going to clap, we're going to um, raise them up to you, and um, they're going to continue to go out and be salt and light to this world. And so we thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.